Yeah. All right, let's fucking go. Well, good day there, and welcome into a Friday edition of the Daily Agenda uh, with Manaya and Chris in for your Friday morning. Uh, Chris, my headphones have just become aware I have only got uh, one working side, so if I fall out of my chair at some point, just yep. know that it's because my equilibrium's been thrown off. So you ended up with those headphones. <laughs> I had those uh, at the beginning of the week and swapped them out. Yeah, swapped them out with the ones that I've got on. Yeah. I didn't check them because I don't check my equipment. Um, and that's bro, just how I just like to live my life, bro. By the way, a PSA to all men out there, check your equipment <laughs> regularly, you know? And if there's anything sort of irregular, go and get it checked out. Okay. I'll go, I'm, I might take these headphones into the doctor. Yeah, do it. But hey, man, got a lot of uh, got a lot of equilibrium issues going on here. Can you fix my headphones? All um, right, let's get into some actual sports straight off the bat here today. The Blackhips are playing a game of cricket tonight. They're playing at Eden Park. It is a T20 and it is against Pakistan. Uh, currently, we are in Auckland. It is hot as hell, mm. and the forecast is for it to remain hot as hell. Last night, it did not dip below 20 degrees mm. over uh, over the entirety of last night in Auckland. So it's going to be a good one tonight. There's going to be no rain delays, as there had been. Um, the odds at the TAB are Black Caps $1.60, Pakistan $2.30, which I thought was a little skewed. I thought that Pakistan would have been a little shorter than that. So if you wanted to make some money and you you know were of the flag-burning persuasion, you could get on Pakistan. I feel like the first game in any series should be a lot closer than that because you just don't know until <laughs> they get here and you see how they're operating. Particularly in T20s. Yeah. Because there's such wild variance in T20s. Absolutely. I've been watching a lot of the uh, Big Bash Super Smash, whichever one our uh, domestic competition is. Oh, it's Big Smash. It's the Big Smash. Yeah, yeah it's the Super Bash. Um, and... It's convinced me that we're the greatest T20 playing nation on God's green earth because you're just watching your own players mm. play against each other and you're like, well, we've got the deepest stocks of T20 players in the world, so we're obviously going to win. Um, I do this with all of our teams. When the Warriors go into preseason, they're like, look how jacked these dudes are. I'm like, yep, cool, I'm in. When the Breakers sign a new guy and they put a mixtape up of him playing in Turkey or something, I'm like, yep, I'm in. Yeah, but this is the issue, though. It's like when the um, the ANZ netball had, you know, because it's just New Zealand teams, yeah. and you watch us dominate, and you're like, hell yeah, we're yeah. dominating ourselves. And then you go play Aussie, and you're like, oh. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. So I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I reckon that we are going to win this one. It's being played at uh, Eden Park. Tim Southey was interviewed about it, and he said, that he was, <clears throat> and he kind of tiptoed around the fact that he doesn't like playing at Eden Park. Mm. He was just like, we've got so many beautiful grounds around the country. It's so good to see people parked up in the, you know, grassy banks of uh, the Bay Oval. Seddon Park. No, Seddon Park. Down the road from his house. <clears throat> and um, down there in Christchurch as well. And he was just like, you know, but obviously it's the uh, biggest capacity stadium in the country, so it's good to see the stands filled. But you could tell that the subtext was, Fuck, I hate playing at that ground. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not. It's it's a bowler's nightmare, isn't it? It's like it. it so if you're a batter, you're getting fizzed up. You know, you're pitching Grant Elliott hitting a six to win, and yeah, you're thinking, yeah, boundary. shit, yeah, this is gonna be mean. And well, but for him, it's just a nightmare. So I said, I always say this about Eden Park. It is not. It doesn't fit a cricket ground in it. Obviously, mm. it's the most ridiculous shape you've ever seen a cricket ground be. But it also doesn't fit a rugby ground in it because. Sitting in the stands, you're so far away from the action. See, this is the issue that, so in Tauranga, where I grew up, they built Bay Park, which has got a stock car track around it. And if you, you know, if you live in Palmy North and you go to the old Manawatu Stadium, it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, like, either build a, a rugby stadium where it's square and you're right on the sideline, like, I don't know, Mount Smart. Yeah. Uh, or build a stock car track. And think about which one of those two things is going to be most popular. I think it's going to be rugby. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I, I 100% agree with you. Um, but so put a stock car track in Mount Eden, uh, Eden Park, I that's, reckon. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what shape would that be. But I think that actually, despite the fact that it looks awful, it sucks for ODIs, um, for test matches. I think they've only played that uh, red ball, uh, pink ball one that I can mm. remember in the last few years. But for T20s, it's actually kind of exciting. It's great. Because there's a short side, there's a long side, there's a long corner. Yeah. There's a, you know, directly behind the bowler, each end is quite a short boundary. So if you go straight over someone's head. Also, I mean, so tonight is a perfect recipe for one of the best games of the entire year, even though the year's just started. It's like balmy out. It's yep. Auckland. Half people aren't back to work yet, so they're keen to go along. There's a lot of fizz around this game, I yeah. will say that. So, and I kind of did have this sort of circled in my calendar. Yeah. Um, I've decided not to because, as I told you last night, I've been invited around to our neighbour's place for drinks. Oh, that's drinks. right. Oh, drinks, yeah. Yeah, they're 60 and mid-50s, yeah. uh, and my wife's teed that up. So yeah. I guess I'll be doing that. Yeah. But you know what I can do is use the cricket as an out. I've got to go watch the cricket. I've got to go to the cricket. It's easily counterable out, though. Why? Oh, we'll chuck it on here. Yeah. It's on free to air TV at the moment. No, I've got to go to the cricket. Oh, it's a work thing. It's a work thing. Work thing. I commentate, yeah. Yeah, I commentate the cricket. Uh, we'll get into some commentary later on as well. Actually, you know what? Let's take this opportunity right now to get into a bit of commentary. You and I are sports commentators, and from time to time, Chris, we come across names that are very difficult to pronounce. So in preparation for that, I'd like to play a little flashcard game with you. Um, for some of the harder names, oh god, I'm quite dusty <clears throat> this morning. So yeah, well, it's it is. I know this thing can really catch you out when there are certain players you don't know how to pronounce your name. You don't see it until you look at the team sheet. So, in preparation for that, I'll show you a player's name, and you tell me how you think that you would pronounce that. Okay, okay, go. Noah. <laughs> Noah. K N I G G A. He is a high school football phenom. He is the number one uh, college recruit going into the college football season. So how do you say it? Kanaga. Kanaga. Kanaga is how you. Noah Kanaga. How you say that? Noah Kanaga. Uh, he was in. He was in an interview with his entire family. The guy interviewing him asked if the family had ever been to Paris. <laughs> Canagas <laughs> and Paris, that's excellent. Yeah, so the Canaga family, I reckon that is going to be either one of the highest or lowest selling jerseys of all time when he goes to college. Far out. Yeah. So See, that, that's like a whole other level. I was picturing, you know, like the Carmichael Hunt. Hunt. Carmichael Hunt gets me. Because you can get caught out when you're speaking really fast and actually accidentally call him Harmichael yeah. C word. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole different level, that yeah. one there. <laughs> no, Canaga. Canaga. Uh, so let's pray that he never picks up a cricket ball or bat. Is that. <laughs> Is that the only one? That's the only one. Okay, thank God for that. Uh, there were like three or four others. I was like, you know what? Let's keep our careers intact. Just quickly here, just really quickly. Yes. Um, Mike Minogue has been listening to the agenda every single day this week and just mm. texting me feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes- he, what does he reckon? Yesterday's one was, he wrote through to our group chat, Keezy gets really angry that Andrew Webster's not um, in the running for coach of the year, even yeah. though he's Australian. Very valid point. Yeah. So Very valid we were point. quite up in arms about that. And it's the Halberg Award for New Zealanders. But that just goes to show how little I give a shit about the Halbergs. I completely didn't even think about the criteria, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I would... I mean, I've, I've thrown the list out, but if I went through it, I reckon there's at least a couple of people who weren't born here in New Zealand. Oh, absolutely. So and should it not be awards for services to sport in New Zealand? That's the thing. It should just be if you're contributing to sport in New Zealand. That's a valid point, though, that Minogue's raised there. Um, keep that coming through, Minogue. Send us a bloody... Uh, no, don't. Stop that coming through, Mano. Get a life. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Gambian football team, I'd love to talk to you about this. This oh, is a story man, near sweet. and dear to my heart. Um, I know you're a big fan of the Gambian football team. Yeah, up the 
otters. Up the up the otters, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big otter population in landlocked Gambia. Uh, the Gambian football team came within half an hour of dying after the cabin oxygen supply reportedly failed on a terrifying flight for the Africa Cup of Nations, or as you know it, ACON. Uh, Gambia's Belgian coach told the Dutch newspaper he wouldn't be eligible for the Gambian Helbergs, this guy, because he's from Belgium. Oh, yeah. He told uh, Dutch newspaper, we could have all been dead. We all fell asleep quickly. Me too. I had short dreams about how my life was done, really and truly. After nine minutes, by the way, nine minutes, the pilot decided to return because there was no oxygen supply. Some players did not wake up until after landing. Wow. Isn't that terrifying? Also, why did it take him nine minutes to be like, okay, all right, we'll turn around? Because he was nodding off at the wheel. <laughs> it took him nine minutes to wake up. <laughs> okay, we're going back to the airport. Would you rather, you know, that kind of situation where there's no oxygen in the cabin or a situation where a panel flies off the side of the plane like happened the other day? Yeah, pan- panel off the plane. Well, at least you can see and you're like fully conscious and aware of your surroundings. Whereas if you're losing oxygen, you're just out to it. I feel like those two things are linked, though. I feel like once the door comes off, the oxygen's going to get a bit sketchy. Anyway. Oh, but they obviously, so they didn't put the drop down masks on. Oh, they, oh, I don't know. Because that's what provides you oxygen when that happens. After the cabin oxygen supply reportedly failed on a terrifying flight. Yeah, so obviously the. So maybe whole they, thing, they did put it on and nothing no happened. Oh, that's yeah, so terrifying. Everyone's passing out. Yeah, but what I wanted to ask you is this is a situation I feel like every man has thought about. Mm. I got asked to go on to uh, the hits the other day because they wanted to run a, a scenario past me. If a captain passed out and you were asked to land the plane and you're being talked through from the control tower, do you think you could do it? And I said yes, and every single man that rung into that radio station said yes as well. We all think that we could land a plane, and we've all thought about our survival mm. instincts in a situation like that. You know, there's the, uh, it was the Argentinian rugby team who crashed in the Andes, had to resort to eating each other. If you were there, they wouldn't have crashed? If I was there, they wouldn't have crashed. No, but what I was going to say is, what do you, like? how do you think you would react? What's your game plan if you were to be in an uh an aviation emergency. So, first of all, uh, shout out to the Hits for obviously seeing the same article that we did on the big show and doing the same content as us on the exact same day. That's good. Uh, secondly, uh, I when we were discussing this, I was like, yeah, I could definitely do it. Like, I, not definitely, but if I was being talked through by someone in the control tower. Land the plane. Like, they're yeah. telling me exactly what to do. I'd have a crack at it. I don't, uh, you know, I'd, surely I could just have a crack at it. I, th- I think so. What? I got two arms and two legs, just like any other pilot. Yeah, you know? exactly. Sure, I don't know how to do it, but you can tell me. Yeah, just tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, you could be sitting in a simulator, like, and the person on the other end, and then yeah, exactly. So, yeah. if anyone's going to have a crack, it may as well be me. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I have a game plan, which is, and it's recently changed ever since I got a free Kuru membership. Oh, got it. So now I always sit in the front row of the plane. Oh, but is that part of the Kuru membership? You can f- get free, ch- uh, free select your wow. frequent flyer seats, which are the ones at the front. So you're always the first one on, or first one off, sorry. Um, but my strategy for years was always sit in the back row of the plane because uh, out of all the plane crashes of passenger uh, airlines, those at the back of the plane have the highest had the highest rate of survival. Adds up. Which is pretty much 5% chance, but if when, you're in the back row. When Brad Pitt survived that plane crash in World War Z, oh, uh, yeah. that movie, he was sitting in the back half of the plane. Correct. The front half, gone. Gone. So that's that's always my first thing. Um, to be honest, in a disaster like that, I don't know. I'm like a pretty laid back guy, but I think 
when a disaster was happening, I think I'd f- flick into freak the F out mode. You know what I mean? Like all this laid backness would just be gone. I'd be freaking out, pushing my missus over to get to the door. Yeah. Well, how do you reckon you go? Um, I don't know. I, I, I know I suffer from this thing where I think I'm going to do well, you know, in those yeah, situations. Yeah. But I just, until you're actually put into that situation, the landing the plane thing, definitely. You're uh, always, you've always been terrible at landing the plane, though. I am in my personal life. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, once the adrenaline kicks in and I'm being guided through it, yeah, by some nerd in the in the tower. I reckon I'd land it like like Tom Hanks in that movie. Oh, Sully landed in the water. Yeah, the Hudson. I reckon I'd get annoyed with the nerd on the line. Be like, shut up, nerd, turn it off. <laughs> because I feel like so in 2014, I flew over to the UK, and uh, the week before, uh, Malaysian flight MH370 went missing. Yeah, and then. Another Malaysian Airlines flight got shot down over Ukraine. Oh, were you Malaysian Airlines? And I was Malaysian Airlines. Oh, wow. I was watching on the little flight tracker, and we were flying directly at the UK, and then we did a huge detour just around Russia and, and Ukraine, <laughs> and then carried on. And I was talking to a mate of mine that I was going to see over there, and he was just like, look, man, whatever happens on this flight, just swing first, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was in my brain. I was having a bit of a snooze. I was in the aisle seat, and I woke up, to a young man of fighting age running up the aisle oh. while the lights are off. He's full sprint up the aisle. And I woke up, I was like, <gasps> and then I sort of looked around at all the other dudes and we all sort of made eye contact. <laughs> are other. we taking this guy down? <laughs> it was like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> it was just some teenage kid playing a prank with his, with right. his, with his mate. Um, yeah, no, I think if the cabin lost pressure, I'd, I'd like the door one. That'd be fine. I'll be happy enough with that. As long as you can stay conscious. That'd be exciting. Yeah, you can put the mask on so you've got oxygen and you're belted in. It's almost like, oh my God, this is crazy. My problem is claustrophobia. And I think as soon as I can't breathe, I'm I'm going full panic attack. Yeah, right. I'm going to have Alice in Wonderland moment where the fuselage shrinks around me (laughs) and I'm of absolutely no use to anyone. So yeah, I don't think I'd be much help to anyone. Where did that plane crash? The one with the Argentinian... Over the Andes. The Andes. Yeah. So, if you're in that situation, would you eat Andes' asses, eat uh, their ass in the Andes as well? Or would you try and go forage for food? <laughs> Probably start with the hammies. Um, yeah. I mean, these guys, you got to remember, they ate like the leather off the seat belts and shit. First. Yeah, first. And then, and then <sighs> they're like, man, Ben over there's been asleep for a minute. And he got that fat ass <laughs> yeah, as well. You know, he's dragging that wagon. <laughs> So let's just see. Let's just see how we go. Um, I don't know. I, you, I'd like to think that I would probably rather starve to death than eat the bro. But I don't know. I don't know. And evidently, Fuck, I'd eat it's you a, straight you, away. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd be the one to eat too. Fuck, you'd be gone, man. Meaty. Uh, Ronaldo Volkman's injured. <laughs> oh yes. Speaking of meaty dump trucks, uh, he was. He the, does have a peach. If you were uh, not paying attention to the Warriors last season, he was sort of in and out of the team. He was uh, a highly touted prospect coming through. He's very young, yeah. Um, but because of a stockpile of halves at the Warriors, he, they basically said, you can go wherever you want. And he's like, okay, cool. I'll go to the Dragons. The Dragons did a scan on his shoulder, found out his shoulder's buggered. And he, he dragged his wagon to the, to the Dragons. He dragged his wagon to the Dragons. Um, the Dragons then were like, your shoulder's buggered, and for that reason, I'm out. Have you ever seen a player f- fail a medical Yes. Recently? For, yes, for the Warriors. And his name was Ash Taylor. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Million dollar man. Yeah, that's right. Was medically retired from the sport of rugby league. <sighs> that's so, because like, nowadays in social media as well, it's like blasted around everywhere. It's just I like a, a photo of him with failed medical. Mm. Like Ronald Volkman cut from the Dragons. Can't play rugby league anymore. So, I don't know. I'll wish him a speedy recovery. He's still so young, though. Yeah, he'll be fine.
So I just think that the dragons are a shit show, and that's probably what happens when you go to the dragons. Uh, God bless them. Just another team that we're going to thump next year. Uh, I've got a couple of conspiracy theories to run past you, if I could. Oh, I'll put my tin hat on, mate. Please do. Please do. Uh, Our dear friend David Beckham, he was uh, headed up a superstar cast of fans that attended. uh, There's an NBA game playing. The Paris game, yeah. Paris, yeah. Um, It was at the Accor Arena showpiece, uh, showcased the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers um, in, in Paris, as I just mentioned. There's a photo of him that came out from it. And he looks the same as he looked at the Cricket World Cup. Did you see this footage of him at the Cricket World Cup? No. He's got an inflated, like, swollen face. And my conspiracy theory is that that is not David Beckham. Body double. That's a body double. Oh, okay, so David Beckham, Cricket World Cup. He does have a swollen face there, doesn't he? That That ain't David Beckham. That ain't David Beckham. We talked about it at the time. He's now been spotted somewhere else. I think David Beckham is absolutely creaming it, and he's paid someone to get plastic surgery to look like him and show up at these events. What does David Beckham give a shit about the basketball? He lives in America. Why is he over in Paris? He ain't. It's a body double, and he's just shipping this body double around the world. See, body double, that's sort of conspiracies saved for the elite of the elite. Like, Vladimir Putin has a... Body double, right? Sure, like yeah. the top level, yep. like even pri- uh, what's the names of the uh, presidents of the uh, of the USA? Yeah, I don't know about David Beckham, man. I think he's just looking weird. I mean, he's looking very, very weird. Yeah. Um, but I would argue that among athletes, he's probably the elite of the elite. He he would have over a billion dollars at his disposal. Yes. How much is he paying a, dou- a body double? Well, how much are they paying him to appear at these games? Exactly. Probably a couple of mil. So you give the body double half a mil? Maybe. Or you just abduct him, do the surgery, and just be like, look, man, this is, this is your life now. You, unfortunately for you, you look too much like me, so now I'm going to send you around the world. So you reckon they would have had to start with a kind of English bloke that looked vaguely like him? I, Russian? Kazakhstani? I yeah, don't know. True. I reckon they just found someone in the hills and were just like, bad luck, brother. You look too much like David Beckham. This is your life now. Yeah, David, you enjoying the NBA, man? Yes, it's very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only thing that might undo that is I talked to Laura McGoldrick, who interviewed him at, at the cricket, and um, she was like, yeah, that was definitely David Beckham. But then is she in on it? Probably not. Um, we're going to stick with the uh, conspiracy theories. I've got one more for you. Uh, this one is about... Aliens. A clip appearing to show a giant extraterrestrial walking in a remote part of the Brazilian countryside has gone viral after being posted by hikers. Uh, grainy footage is purported to show the aliens roaming a hilltop in broad daylight. They can be seen waving their arms in a bizarre manner while appearing to face towards the camera. Have you seen this footage? I haven't. It's terrifying. Why is it always grainy footage? Like, nowadays, there's no excuse for grainy footage. I know, back in the day, people were seeing aliens all the time. All of a sudden, as soon as everyone got cameras, the aliens disappeared. Yeah, and the footage is, whenever they do appear, it's grainy again. Yeah. What the Uh, fuck's that about? Yeah, well, people have been trying to get to the bottom of what it is, but this one has actually been solved. Uh, Peter Crouch has addressed the videos. Half man, half ladder. You remember him? Yeah, of course. Two meter Peter. My missus is obsessed with his podcast. Yeah, he goes... Oh, we were just on a family holiday. Please respect our privacy at this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That is great stuff from him. All right, that'll do us for today. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with the, I believe, the feature-length agenda podcast. We'll see you then. The ACC's Daily Agenda Podcast.